Join Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. I'm a big believer in um, just empowering the people below you, like come up, come up with a, with a, with a consistent vision and then empower the people below you to actually execute on that vision, give them the room and the empowerment to do it themselves. I like to surround myself with people that bring me to solutions to problems I didn't even know I had. This is the Business Leadership Podcast, and I'm your host, Edwin Frandozo. Thank you for joining me today. How are you doing? I hope you are staying cool and hydrated. Right now, it is, it's July, and it's super hot and humid down here in Toronto, and I'm really doing my best to not turn on the AC, to not only conserve energy, but to not add to the heat in the city. Super excited to share with you this episode, episode number 119. My special guest is Mark Stavely. He's the Chief Technology Officer at Index Exchange. In this role, Mark is responsible for leading the unification of all engineering functions while contributing to the overall company vision and direction. With over 185 engineers in his organization, he is responsible for the largest ad exchange in the global advertising marketplace, handling over 70 billion auctions per day. Just let me repeat that, 70 billion auctions. In our conversation, we discuss how he has grown as an effective technology leader throughout his career by empowering the team he leads. Mark also talks about the rise of agile and how this methodology has fueled his leadership. Mark also talks about the characteristics that every emerging business leader needs to have in order to succeed. Today's podcast is brought to you by True Shield Insurance. Canada's most trusted insurer for entrepreneurs and small businesses. Quick shout out to you, to those who have taken the time to subscribe, rate, and leave a comment. I really appreciate you. This latest one is from Jay Wong on Apple Podcast, and he writes, Whoa, talk about a discovery. I've been following the show for a few weeks, and I must say, it's pretty fantastic. Edwin has a great way formulating his questions as a business owner, always looking to get better. This has been a refreshing show, to say the least. Thank you so much, Jay. I really appreciate that. When you subscribe, rate, and leave a review, I will read it out on an upcoming episode. Now, here we go. Welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast, Mark. Oh, glad to be here. I'm super happy and excited to to have you join the show. Mark, if if maybe if you could just start off by introducing yourself to our listeners, if you could tell us what Mark likes to do when he's not growing or leading businesses. Oh, when I'm not doing this. Okay, so I'm an engineer at heart. I designed and built, uh, with help, uh, my own house and did major renovations at my cottage. I really like to work with my hands when I'm not sitting at my desk. 
I'm also an avid outdoors person. I'm an avid hiker, canoeist, snowshoer, skier, uh, camper. Um, so that's how I decompress. Oh, very cool. So I know for for those who are listening, it's it's summer right now up here in Toronto, Canada. And do you find yourself outdoors more often during the season? Uh, yeah, obviously, with, with the weather the way it is, I go up north and get out in the, out in the country on the weekends so that I can uh, do all those uh, hiking, canoeing things that I like to do. Uh, but, you know, soft water is good, but I like hard water, too. I get out there and do the snowshoeing in the winter. Very cool. Mark, why don't we just get right into the conversation? Can you start off by telling us about Index Exchange? Maybe if you could let us know what your specific role is, maybe responsibilities, and maybe what you're trying to accomplish over the next couple of, couple of months. Uh, so Index, let's, we'll start with that. Index is uh, an ad exchange. Uh, we are the largest independent global advertising marketplace. Uh, your readers probably don't really understand what an ad exchange does, but we uh, facilitate advertisers and publishers getting together and having their ads displayed on the web. My personal role is I run engineering here. I, I have about 185 engineers uh, that report to me, and we build products to facilitate that marketplace. Very cool. So, I mean, just for our listeners out there, maybe they don't know that it's you behind or Index Exchange behind the scenes. But when I see an ad, it could have been Index Exchange that's facilitating, right? Uh, we have the majority of the top quality publishers on the web as our clients. So, yeah, if you see a, an ad on a top quality publication on the web, we probably facilitated that. Oh, that's very cool. And, I, and like you said, I mean, you know, just for the avid listeners and readers out there or a lot of the business leaders that are listening it's it's always fascinating because i always get to talk to a lot of technology people because i am an engineer myself a uh, computer engineer so I, I i sometimes like to feel i understand what you're getting yourself into there mark um i want I to take little, i can give you a lot of numbers if you want uh you know we uh, facilitate about 70 billion auctions a day um we talk, uh, have, make out requests to advertising agencies on the order of about 700 billion requests a day. And we bring back about 100 terabytes of telemetry from our data centers to our back office and into our data science uh, clusters uh, uh, every day. 700 billion auctions. Is, and an auction, to me, if I don't know anything, that's, that's basically an ad showing up somewhere, right? That's right. It was actually 70 billion. So uh, we have 70 billion auctions a day and 700 requests to advertisers. So every auction reaches out to approximately 10 advertisers to ask them if they want the slot. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, that's just mind boggling, Mark. And I don't, I can't even comprehend, you know, like what's happening in the background, but uh, really, really interested to know how you got there and, and what really got you into these type of roles. Because when I, Mark, when I looked well, at your career, yeah, go ahead. There are some huge challenges in ad tech. I mean, we run every one of those auctions within 150 milliseconds. So actually reaching, you know, getting the auction, figuring out which are they, which advertisers this auction would be valid for, reaching out to those advertisers, getting their bid requests back, and then uh, getting the creative from them and replacing the creative back up onto the, onto the, the browser page. The auction itself takes about, is a maximum of 150 milliseconds. And after the, after the success of the auction, the ad is showing at that point? Uh, so after, so 
we deliver the creative back to the web page. The, you know, the browser could be a ways away from one of our, one of our data centers, and the, and the browser itself may take time to display the creative. Right. We usually figure that creative show up within 500 milliseconds, so half a second. Oh my! Oh my gosh! I mean, from the sounds of it, and what the facilitation of this exchange that uh, Index Exchange is doing is is almost to me is almost like buying and selling stocks on the open market, right? Like you're hap- like these things are happening in milliseconds. Uh, that's right. We actually uh, use the analogy of a stock exchange for our own exchange. I mean, that's amazing. Um, I, I wanted to change gears a bit, Mark, because I mean, it's super fascinating. And it's always for me when I talk to business leaders, and of course, for me, especially technology leaders, um, you know, looking at your career, I mean, this is me looking at LinkedIn, by the way. <laughs> you had you had several leadership roles. I mean, you've also worked in as as a consultant as well. So I'm very interested to know, Mark, how you've throughout your career, how you've adjusted and I guess continually grown yourself as an effective leader and maybe even specifically as an effective technology leader throughout your career. Yeah, so I've worked uh, in large corporations. I've worked in small startups. And as you mentioned, I was a consultant freelancer. Uh, I got to witness all different kinds of leadership styles uh, and basically blended those into my own style. Is there any 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 specific like situation or a business leader that you worked with, whether it was in a consulting gig or within a large organization? I mean, because obviously you're going to pick up good traits I assume <laughs> from 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 different leaders that that you've come like is there one that was really you know changed or is it always evolving as technology changes or is there something that really stuck with you that you've used for a big part of your career um I'm actually going to do a few of them for you. I, you know, when I was at Princeton University, there was a professor there that really taught me how to think out of the box as far as technology is concerned and as far as computer science research was concerned. And then one of the first large corporations went out to Sun Microsystems. I had uh, a mentor there by the name of Dean Kemp who really taught me about empowering the people below him. Um, and then, surprisingly enough, at my first startup, the general counsel, a man by the name of Doug Nebo, uh, just taught me so much about leading by example and about startups in general. And so Doug really sticks in my mind as somebody who shaped the way I lead. Yeah, and, and leading by example, how are how do you implement that like in, in your role today? Um, having, I think you had over 100 tech developers underneath you. Like how are you leading by example now as as one of the chief leads now? <sighs> So I'm a big believer in um, just empowering the people below you. Like come up, come up with a with a with a consistent vision, and then empower the people below you to actually execute on that vision. Give them the room and the empowerment to do it themselves. I like to surround myself with people that bring me so, to solutions to problems I didn't even know I had. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So really, really giving them the space to grow and, and lead as well. Um, I'm really interested, Mark, was there, and I mean, we just quickly talked about how you had many experiences from consulting to large organizations. Was there, a, you know, in your mind, a very difficult decision that you had to make? And this could be 
whether it's a leadership role, whether it was maybe implementing some type of technology or or advising people, like some difficult decision that you had to make that really shaped you in terms of who you are today as, as that tech leader? So I'm going to confess and say that I used to be a micromanager. Um, oh. that, I, that I really you know, had to understand everything that was going on and had to tell everybody what their role was in, in, in accomplishing whatever the vision was that we were working towards. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't scale. We all know that doesn't scale. And so at one, of the, at one point in my career, I was actually making a career change. I was making a, uh, an employment change. And I decided that I was going to have a very different style in this new position and made a conscious decision not to be a micromanager, but instead to do what we just talked about, which is empowering the people below you to make the decisions themselves and to uh, and to give them the room to actually execute on that. And so, you know, that was a, both a difficult decision and a difficult thing to accomplish. You know, doing it at, a, at an employment break would have made it easier because it's harder to do when you're in the same rut all the time. But even so, you know, consciously changing the way I dealt with the people below me was uh, was difficult for me to internalize at first. Yeah, 100%. So talk to me a bit more about that transition, because for some of the listeners out there, and, and I hear this all the time, you know, that shift in mindset from being that micromanager to being that leader that allows uh, his organization to grow and make mistakes. Talk to me like some of the things that you had to do or maybe change in your mindset and how long it took you to really embrace it. So the mindset changes really are around trust, right? It's trusting that the people below you will actually uh, execute for you, that they will make the right decisions. Or even if that they make you know, suboptimal decisions, they're not going to be bad. Uh, you don't need to be in control of every decision that's being made all the time. And, you know, that's really the difference between a micromanager and somebody who empowers the people below them. It's, it's allowing them to make decisions, empowering them to make decisions. And so letting go, letting go of the need to be the person that makes every decision was the hardest part by far. Yeah, 100%. And I sometimes I when I talk about this with other people, it's, I mean, there's a lot of anxiety of letting go of that control. And it, I mean, because control is like a drug, right? <laughs> so you almost, you almost feel depressed when you let it go until you realize, oh, life is actually better. Um, like, as you made that, because you did this in a very strategic time uh, between two different, was it two different organizations or two different roles? Two different organizations. Yeah. So, I guess people didn't even know your managing style beforehand, right? Well, and that's why I did that, because you need to be able to make a clean break. I mean, I don't know. You may be able to do it staying in the same corporation or staying in the same role. But for me, it was a lot easier to do when the people around me didn't understand the way I used to be. Because then um, they are not looking at me to make those decisions, like trying to do it inside to somewhere else. Those people, it's not only your mindset you have to change, it's theirs as well. By doing it at a, at a corporate change, at a corporation change, I was able to come to a new group of people and say, so this is the way I manage. Um, yeah. And it, might, it must have been really freeing for you, right, Mark? Like how satisfied uh, when, when you looked back, and I don't know how long it took, but when you looked back, you're like, man, I wish I did this earlier. Like, like how did that make you feel and, and how did it affect everything, everyone around you? Oh, it made me feel great because – it decreases my stress level, right? If I don't have to make every decision, if I can let them make decisions, then 
my stress level goes down, my need to be working huge long hours goes down. I had you know get this group of people around me now that are not only empowered but they work well together as a team, right? Because they see that teamwork is the way that um, that we get things accomplished. We they, that's a method by building by doing team building. Um, if you're a micromanager, if you're the one that has to make all the decisions, then you're really not allowing the team to build, the team to grow. Uh, and but but by giving them the, the, that power, by by empowering them, they get a sense of, of ownership, and that really helps in the team building side. Yeah, and just the last point in it because this is really fascinating, and it, and it's an important part for emerging leaders, whether they're in tech or not. Um, what is the fear around of that letting go or, you know, that need to micromanage? Can you talk to me about maybe some of the, the fears that you had before and when you look back, um, it, it really didn't matter? Well, I think the fear is all around failure. It's, it's, being, it's wanting to be in charge of the decisions so that, uh, so that they don't fail, so that so the bad decisions aren't made. But that's not possible. I mean, you're going to make bad decisions as a leader. You're going to make bad decisions as a technologist. So understanding that the the team you're building, the people you surround yourself with, can also make decisions that are as good as yours or as bad as yours. But it's not going to be a, a tremendous problem. That if we make bad decisions, we will correct them. If we make good decisions, we move forward. But there's a, a quote that I like to use these days, which is, no one person is smarter than everybody in the room, collectively. And so by by working with the team, by letting the team come up with, with uh, solutions, we actually come up with better solutions than when I have to be the one or I feel like I have to be the one that does all the research and makes all the decisions. That's a great quote. Um, I'm wondering if you have that up somewhere in, within the organization or in the office. Uh, no, but it is what I mention a lot in my speeches. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Hey there, how are you enjoying this conversation that I'm having with Mark? I'd love to hear from you. Reach out to me directly via social media at TBLcast or via email to Edwin at thebusinessleadership.com. I'm always happy to hear from you, whether it's a question, comments, or concerns. I value your time and want to always ensure that I'm always looking to improve. But before getting back to the conversation with Mark, I'd like to take time to say thank you to the episode sponsor, True Shield Insurance, Canada's most trusted insurer for entrepreneurs and small businesses, True Shield not only will help educate you on the risks of your business, but also provide unique solutions, including the ability to purchase your insurance right online. Simply go to trueshield.ca, answer a couple of questions, and get a quote that you can purchase. Let TrueShield help you protect what you work so hard to build. Now let's get back to it. Mark, can you talk about, I guess, the rise of Agile and as well as the DevOps role, specifically how, how it's changed over the years and maybe how it's fueled your leadership today? 
Well, I'm glad that I actually made the transition uh, from that micromanager into a more empowering person before Agile became a big thing in my life, because Agile is the antithesis of micromanagement. Right? It is actually a methodology that empowers the squads themselves to make very large decisions. And so by having already made that, that conscious decision not to be a micromanager anymore, I was able to embrace Agile much more fully than I would have been able to otherwise, because Agile really is about empowerment. Um, there are two things that I, there are two main takeaways that I have from Agile. There, there are tons of things I like about the Agile development framework, but to me, there are two main takeaways. One is empowering the teams to make decisions on the fly as they go so that they can iterate around uh, features and make them better over time without having you know, to have the thing complete at, at the start. But the other thing that I really love about the way that we do um, our Agile delivery framework is that we stop every sprint and do retrospectives on the sprint, right? So the teams will stop and uh, you know, d d deliberately say, so what went well in the last two weeks? What didn't go well in the last two weeks? What could we have done better? And that forcing function, just forcing yourself and forcing your team to stop every once in a while, you know, pick whatever period you like, but just stop doing what you're doing and think about what you've done, and then use the lessons you learned over that short period of time to make your life better in the next grid, and the next, and the next. And you do that every period. I mean, that's great. And I just wanted to take just a quick short um, minute to talk about Agile. And, and I'm coming from the tech, technology world, development world, so I, I really understand. Um, for those who are listening and maybe this is the first time they heard about agile development. Can you, I guess in an elevator pitch, how would you describe agile development and what, what you just talked about? So agile development really the, the ability to take a set of ideas, break them down into uh, small enough pieces that a developer can work on that piece in a reasonably short period of time. We call them stories, and we like to break our stories down so the developer can complete them uh, no more than a day long, but preferably a couple of stories a day. Um, but by breaking them down that small, it's easy, it's easy to conceptualize them, easy to, to, to work on them. And then from that, you know, we, we fill a backlog full of these small stories, and then we uh, you know, the teams decide which of those stories they want to pull into the current, what we call a sprint, which is two weeks worth of work. They pull the stories into the sprint, and then um, they work on those stories for those two weeks, and then they run the retrospective at the end to say, how well did it go? Did we pull in too many stories? Did we pull in the right number of stories? Did we estimate the stories correctly? And then move on into the next one. And so by doing that cycle, every period, we, we like to use two weeks here, but every period, it allows for an iterative breakdown of the work um, that is uh, doesn't require us to know everything up front. You know, what we used to call the old waterfall method, where we would generate mm -hmm. these large specifications as to what everything had to be done. You know, you take a year to write a specification and then two years to write the code. Uh, and then you never really got at the end of it what was in the spec in the start. But by doing Agile, we get to iterate around that. We get to, we get to make decisions based on what we're seeing happening in the project as the project goes. And I guess even from the sounds of it, Waterfall, you may not even have a retrospect after three years to know what went wrong besides saying the whole project went wrong. 
Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I did used to be involved in some waterfall projects and we did tend to run, uh, you know, uh, retrospectives uh, at the end of a year or two years worth of work. But it, 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 it's hard to, to really incorporate that back into your work because it's such mm-hmm. a long, large piece of work that you just completed. Um, with Agile, by doing it every two weeks, you really do see teams improve, both on their estimation methods, on how they break down stories, on how they tackle stories. Over time, they improve. And it's really fun to watch um, a new member of a team come in. We are very much uh, uh, believing in hiring uh, both university co-ops and new grads here and incorporating them into our teams and watching them grow in the Agile method uh, is much more satisfying than what I used to do the old waterfall method. I mean, on that point, I'm interested to know and whether they are a new member of the team, Mark, or maybe someone more senior level or manager level, what type of like characteristics do you believe um, every person or every leader within your organization should possess? I mean, to really be successful within this type of environment. Uh, I really think, you know, you need to trust your teams, right? Both your team and, and uh, the teams below you from a leader perspective, from a leadership perspective. Um, and you need to trust that they'll do the right thing. Uh, so, you know, that whole uh, don't be too prescriptive, don't, um, but instead empower them. I keep coming back to empowerment. It's a a big buzzword these days in the industry, but I really do believe in it. I believe that letting people make decisions uh, allows them to not only, uh, well, it allows them to take control of their belief as to their ownership of what what is happening. It's theirs. It's not somebody else's that they're just working on. Uh, Mark, I have a question for you, and this is more a little bit of, some of the discussions I'm getting myself into when it comes to leading the next generation, um, the next business leaders, whether they're technology or, or not, is what are your thoughts with new innovations like artificial intelligence? And I guess, you know, how do you train the mindset or the workforce uh, for, for, for the new world? Well, I think that brings us back to that new blood I was talking about. You know, by bringing in uh, uh, university co-ops or university new grads, they come in with a fresh look at the world. They come in with fresh perspectives, and they don't have that baggage that established senior engineers do. And uh, we encourage them to think outside the box for us, to, to push their teams to think in different ways, to push their teams to embrace newer technologies. I also do that um, – here as well. One of the initiatives that I started after I took on the role here at Index was uh, a new research group, uh, research division uh, that I'm currently staffing up. And, and, and their raison d'etre is, in fact, to look at new technologies and decide which of those technologies would be of advantageous for Index to use. And to do that with a time horizon that is uh, far enough in the future that they can look at that next level of scale that index needs to get to. I mean, we are currently, as I said earlier, uh, running 70 billion auctions a day. Well, mm-hmm. the, our growth curve is such that those, that number is just going to keep increasing. So how do we 
handle that next level of scale that we need to get to? How do we handle it when we get to 700 billion auctions a day? And so that's what research is looking at. Which technology should we be investing in? And so by having a specific group whose job it is to look at those new technologies and by bringing in those new minds, we're doing pretty well. I mean, that's that's super interesting in terms of from what I'm hearing, Mark, is um, you have this new department or this new organization that is strictly looking at this new technology, these new innovations, whether it's AI or, or big data or, or whatnot. And to really see what would make Index Exchange better for the future. Is that, is that, is that, what, is that right? That's essentially correct. Yep. That's good. Cool. When, when did you launch that department? Uh, back in January. Oh, so it's fresh, fresh new um, resources that I guess is, was this an initiative that you launched or is it something that came about as, as a team, as an organization? This was uh, really something I launched. Uh, we had a group here that was doing a little bit of work in this area uh, before I took over. I took over the role in January uh, here at Index. So um, I went to them and said, I really want to formalize what you guys are doing. I want you to staff up more and I want you to start thinking about longer time horizons. And so we've been working on getting them up to speed, getting them staffed up so that they can do this work. That's still a work in progress. Oh, that's that's great. Um, just changing gears. And it's always fascinating for me, Mark, to always find out what what my guests are are currently reading and learning. So what what are you currently reading or what's on like, your bedside table right now? Uh, right now, Work Rules, uh, the Google uh, uh, HRVP book. Um, you know, the author of that worked, uh, I think it was the, uh, for 19 years at Google as the VP of HR. And Google really is an interesting organization in their approach to HR. Uh, they do a lot of HR research, you know, um, they have, they're large enough, they're bulky enough that they can actually do research uh, within their organization and get some reasonable results. You know, that, that age-old question of, um, is it better to have technical managers or people managers? Well, Google actually decided to answer the question. They took a whole division and only hired technical managers. They took another whole division and only hired people managers, and then they compared the two after a while. Um, so work rules is all about the research that they did and some of the results that they came up with and, and the way that Google structures their management layers. Uh, and I find it quite fascinating. Oh, that's a great read. And I appreciate you sharing. It's the first time someone mentioned that book. So we'll, we're going to list it on the, uh, on the episode page as well for those who are listening, because I think I'm just going to pick up that book probably after we talk. <laughs> um, and, uh, I've got a couple more that are sort of sitting on the bedside table that I haven't started yet. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Let me know. Yeah, yeah. So, so Measure What Matters uh, is the, the John Doerr OKRs book, organizational. Um, uh, oh, God, I forgot what it stands for. Uh, it's uh, um, uh, Key Results. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then uh, uh, Brave New Work, Are You Ready to Reinvent Your Organization is the next one that's, uh, that's sitting up below that one, but I haven't even looked at that one yet. Oh, that's that's a great list that you just shared, and it's very specific to to business leaders. Um, um, so you're really tooling up in terms of um, the type of books that you're reading. Do you always look to read these type of leadership type books, or do you, do you sometimes – this, read some nonfiction. Uh, well, yeah, I do the nonfiction side as well. I'm a I'm an avid science fiction reader. 
Um, but I also do a fair bit of tech reading. Uh, you know, uh, these are specifically leadership style books. But yes, I also, yes. You know, I also, you know, the Google S uh, SRE book, uh, you know, the DevOps Toolkit book uh, are also uh, on my shelf. And I hand them out uh, a lot when people come by my office. I hear, take a copy of this and read it. Oh, that's great. That's a good tip. Fun question, Mark. If I were to ask any of your team members, and I mean, given given your career, you could be past, present, um, your colleagues, peers. What? And if I were to ask them, what is the best leadership quality that Mark possessed? What do you think they would say? Um, I work with them, not above them. I love that, and it's very specific too. Um, Mark, what else is going on in your life, whether personal business, do you have any other special projects, any initiatives or anything fun that you are super excited about and maybe losing sleep on? <laughs> We're losing sleep. <laughs> I don't want that. We're doing a bunch of work right now uh, on real-time analytics. Uh, as you can imagine, uh, mining those 70 billion auctions a day where they're running in 150 milliseconds, making sure that we have the right metrics to know that the exchange is healthy and doing a good job uh, is something that, spending, that is a pet project of mine we've been spending a lot of time on. I've also been thinking a little bit about Kubernetes. I attended uh, KubeCon. Uh, last uh, fall, and I had an epiphany while I was there that uh, Kubernetes is uh, to a cluster the same as an operating system is to an individual computer. I mean, an operating system, whether that be whether it be Windows or Linux, uh, really is a management layer for resources and scheduling. Uh, it abstracts the hardware away from the application so that they don't have to take uh, they don't have to take those into account. Well, what Kubernetes does is resources, resourcing and scheduling on a cluster of computers. And so if we you know, if we have all of these ad server nodes in data centers around the world, we have eight data centers worldwide that run our application. And there's a, you know, up to a thousand of our ad servers in each one of those data centers. And that's a big cluster. And we currently have a lot of work or software that manages that cluster that we wrote. And I'm thinking that we should be thinking of those as just large Kubernetes pods and letting uh, something like Kubernetes, some sort of orchestration system, do that work for us. And so that's, uh, that's what sort of the, one of the technical challenges or technical paths that I want our new research group to actually look into for us. That's that's super cool. I, I was already about to Google that <laughs> Kubernetes and and making your cluster be a brain almost, right? Um, that's kind of cool. Um, before we end, Mark, I'd love it if you could share maybe some final thoughts, observations, ideally some type of actionable items that you could share with the growing business leader who's listening today. <sighs> You know, I'm just going to reiterate things that I've already said. You know, work with your leadership team to craft a vision. And then, you know, empower them and give them the room to actually deliver on that vision. And you'll be surprised at what they bring back to you. And so to close, Mark, can you tell us uh, where we can find more information about you, Index Exchange, or anything else you'd love to share with us today? Uh, go to the Index Exchange website. Uh, keep your eyes peeled for everything we've got coming up. We've got some great announcements coming up in the next little while, uh, product announcements that we just went live with. Um, also, take a look at our blog and our social media channels. There's lots out there. 
Very cool. And we'll definitely list them on the episode website. But Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure. And I don't know if with the listeners, I could definitely geek out with you all day. Um, But it was an absolute pleasure having you on the Business Leadership Podcast today. Uh, Thank you. I had a lot of fun being here. That's it, Biz Leaders. Thank you for joining me on the Business Leadership Podcast. This was episode 119 with Mark Stavely. If you want to learn more about Mark, Index Exchange, or anything else that we discuss, please go to thebusinessleadership.com slash 119. Also, join me on my private Facebook group where I will discuss this episode. I'll answer your questions, and I'd love to connect you with other like-minded business leaders. Simply search for the Business Leadership Group directly in Facebook. Once again, Thank you to our sponsor today, True Shield Insurance, Canada's most trusted insurer for entrepreneurs and small businesses. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe, rate, and leave a comment on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening today. Thank you again, friends. Please stay cool, stay refreshed. Edwin signing off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com. Thank you.